Welcome to Truro Airwaves, home of Truro Public Library podcasts. At the library, we have books and much more for our vibrant coastal community on Outer Cape Cod. This is Galen Malicote at the Truro Public Library, and today we have a special guest, Barbara Clipper, with us to talk about the Outer Cape Mock Caldecott. Barbara Clipper lives in Provincetown. She is a retired youth services librarian, and she worked for many years at the Ferguson Library in Stamford, Connecticut. Since she's been full-time in Provincetown, she's spent lots of time with us at the library on various projects. The one we're going to talk about today is the Outer Cape Mock Caldecott, which started out as simply our Mock Caldecott in 2015. Barbara, welcome. Hi, I'm Galen. Welcome. I'm delighted to be with you today and with everybody who's going to listen to the podcast. Me too. First, I just wanted to start out asking you, why is it called the Caldecott Medal? How did it get its name? Well, the Caldecott Medal was named after Randolph Caldecott. And Randolph Caldecott was a British illustrator. He did some of the earliest kind of illustrated books for children in the 19th century in Britain. And so he was chosen as a distinguished historic illustrator to name the award after. And that's where it gets its name. Excellent. That's interesting. Can you tell us some about your history with the Caldecott Award? Well, I was actually a member of the 2015 Caldecott Award Committee, which as a youth services librarian is actually a huge honor. I was, it was a career highlight for me, even though most of my career as a youth services librarian did not deal with picture books and with the younger children. I dealt more with teens and older kids, but I was very involved with the children's division of the American Library Association. It's called ALSC, and ALSC sponsors the Caldecott Award. And so I was lucky enough to be in a position where you actually get nominated and then run for service on this committee get voted in by the membership of the children's division and I was elected to serve on the committee. So I got involved with the mock Caldecott because I was actually serving on the actual Caldecott committee. And part of what they ask you to do as a committee member is to really get feedback about some of the books from real live children because the committee is made up of adults. And although we're evaluating books for children and we have some professional expertise. We are not kids, obviously. And so we want feedback from kids to find out if the books appeal to them too, if they work for them. Because one of the criteria of the Caldecott Award is child appeal. You know, a book could be brilliant. Somebody could say, this is a book for kids. And if kids go, don't want to read that, then it's not a good Caldecott nominee. So I actually did a mock Caldecott in Connecticut when I was living there. And you know, I don't even remember how the idea came up, but, you know, as, as Galen said, I've done a number of things for the Truro Library, and I was interacting with Maggie Hanelt, who's the assistant director and the children's librarian there, and the idea somehow came up as like, can we do a mock Caldecott here? And Maggie's fabulous, and she just jumps on good ideas. She's so innovative. She brings such great things to the community, and she agreed to give it a go, and, you know, we sort of made it up, and I created this presentation, we got the school involved, 
because the kids were coming anyway to the library and we just picked one of the days when they did their regular visits and I did this presentation introducing them to what the Caldecott Award was and how you do a mock Caldecott and we've been doing it ever since and it's grown from there to also include Provincetown. Yes, it's been a, a, I've been witness to this evolution and it's been really, really fun and I completely agree with you about Maggie uh, and your mm-hmm. collaboration together on this has been amazing. Thank you. It's, she's so much fun to work with and she's such a joy and I think she's such a gift to the children of Truro. I hope they appreciate her. <laughs> so, and I, what I've heard they do, so this, that's fabulous. And, you know, you li- the library has a gem in, in Maggie. I think so too. So I hope her ears are burning. <laughs> I think she's I think she's much appreciated uh, just for, by my own observations. So, so it started out as the Mock Caldecott. Why is it called the Outer Cape Mock Caldecott now? Well, it's when we involved when we got Provincetown involved, and you know part of that uh, the hope actually was to keep expanding. You know, because I didn't feel that I could take on doing several towns at once from the beginning. We wanted to sort of get it off the ground, make sure we had a model that worked, and then bit by bit add other communities. So that the 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 ideal, the dream I had was really at some point it would be the whole Outer Cape. Mm-hmm. That we would also get um, the Wellfleet, you know, school kids and library involved. That we might even go down as far as East Town, and and not at all competitive but there's a little bit of a competition there between towns even though the books we all read are the same and we vote on the same but you know the competition is just the level of did the kids pick the same books did one town pick a book that actually won an award that another town didn't pick you know what i mean it's it's a sort of friendly competition (laughs) between towns right but um you know, but certainly with the pandemic and everything, we've not been able to expand. And we were just because Susan Hines in um, at the school in Provincetown was was pretty new neck last year, you know, and, and they're still kind of working out the kinks on their program and really getting established with it. So it didn't feel that we could take on another town. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. So, you know, I'm just grateful we were able to move it virtually online, you know, to take it online and do it virtually this year. So we we're able to keep up the continuity for everybody and, you know, but it certainly wasn't a year to look at expanding, but maybe next year, maybe next year, if you're listening wealthy, maybe next year. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be so great. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that's why the outer Cape. So the outer Cape was sort of aspirational, you know, rather than the Truro province town. And it's Calvary. still aspirational. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this year it's different. We've got the virtual aspect, and um, so how how is it making it different? Let's talk a little bit about what we're doing so people can still participate. Okay. Well, the way it works every year, even though the kids have done it repeatedly, some of them, but we have new kids, and as I said, we've added Provincetown as well. So every year. Maggie and I kind of work on updating. I do a PowerPoint presentation, which introduces the Caldecott Award, the criteria, um, the mock Caldecott, what's different, how the kids are going to vote, what the what the list of books are, and there's there's a preliminary to that where we choose the books, which initially was just me and Maggie, and now we also have Susan Hines and um, Brittany Taylor from the Provincetown Library also involved in the book selection mm-hmm. process, and we pick you know, picture books and come down to a, a short list. 
which has gotten shorter. The first year we were very ambitious. I think we had 10 or 12 books and we're now down to about six, mm-hmm. you know, as the number that kids can really digest and study and and be taught by the teachers and librarians over this period of time. So I would start and do that presentation and I would do it in Truro in the library when the school groups, each grade would come and do their regular monthly library visit. And I would meet with them and do this presentation with this PowerPoint, answer questions and kind of get them revved up to do the whole project. And then we would come back in the, in in um, after January when the real award winner is, is, is chosen, introduce the winning book, do some projects with them around the book, read that book to them. So sort of had a culminating event as well. And so we obviously can't do that on site this year in person. So what we're doing instead is we still did a PowerPoint. It was slightly different um, because it's going to be in a virtual setting where there won't be Q, the Q&A and you know, the chance for clarifications. So it's a slightly different approach, but it's basic, essentially the same. The criteria are the same, you know, so the background information, just freshening it up a bit and a little bit of interactive elements that the original PowerPoints didn't have because the interaction was moi. But, um, and Maggie and I did it as a Zoom. We actually recorded that yesterday. So that's going to go up, I believe, on the uh, Truro Library website. It's going to go to the Provincetown Library and to both schools um, to distribute as they see fit probably will go on their websites, but I'm not certain about how that's going to be used. We also, I also came up with some supplementary materials that are available online about some of the books that we've chosen, and those will be made available also to the schools and to the libraries in both counts to either for distribution or on websites or to be sent to parents in, of the school in the schools so that this can be available to the families. And one of the nice elements of being virtual is the parents can be involved, which they really couldn't be when it was the school presentations. But now if they're actually able to watch the video with their kids and learn about the books, they can really sit down and study the books with their children. How are the kids getting the books? Well, they can get the books from the library Um, If they're not able to do that, because both libraries do have copies of the books, so the books can be checked out. That's correct, right, Galen? Yep. Um, Okay. And I believe, and the schools have them as well. So that means there's at least four copies within the two, between the two towns of each of the six books. So that's, you know, that's sort of enough to get people access. Also, most of the books, and people may not be aware of this, but almost any picture book, certainly the well-received ones, people do things and post it. So if you look on YouTube, you can probably find a librarian doing a read aloud of these books that you can watch on YouTube. Now, it's not going to be the same thing as pouring over the book and really studying it. But if you can't get a hold of the book any other way, it certainly is a way that you can access the book and get a good look at it of each page in it. And oh, here's somebody reading it to you. Now that you're saying that, I think uh, Maggie was also talking about um, uh, like uh, e-copies of the book, books that you can check out through Libby. Terrific. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a number of different ways that families can get copies of the books. To, and it would be a wonderful family-wide project because certainly one of the things I learned being on the committee was that you know, picture books are not just for little children. And that's 
actually been one of the goals of this project is to teach certainly the kids in the older grades who first, you know, we're going, that's, those are baby books, but they are not. Certainly some of them are much more sophisticated and written for an older audience, but even the ones for younger children, the art is quite sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is, picture book illustration really is an art form. And one of the things that's really wonderful is that these kids are really learning that. And, you know, so I also have visions of seeing them years from now with their own children and introducing books, illustrated books for children to their own families out of their experience of pin, having been involved with the mock Caldecott with us that's during a, their school that's years. That's a wonderful vision. I love that. Um, and so now that parents can look at the books with their kids, is this something that are the, that all ages can vote on or is the voting just the kids? Well, I think each town is going to have to decide that for themselves. But I, from what I understand from Maggie, that is absolutely open in Truro. Um, you know, that, that any, you know, it's school kids and friends can vote. Excellent. excellent. So, yep. So parents, you don't have to agree with your children. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Might have or grandparents. So if you're a grandparent living on the Cape and you want to do this with your grandchild who lives elsewhere, you know, feel free. That's a great that idea. That would be great. Yep. Find so. a way to count your votes too. Every town you live in, your grandchild can vote through your town. I will, I will say that. We'll make that happen. That's wonderful. Right. So okay. with the ballots, um, I think we are planning to have a, a ballot that can be downloaded from the website. You can mm -hmm. um, get a ballot when you check out your books. And we can also probably order books from different libraries on the Cape that it might just take a little longer. So people should plan to cushion and a little mm -hmm. bit of time. And also we are planning to have an online ballot that you can fill out as a form, like on, on the website. So that Terrific. is Terrific. So it sounds like works. there's lots of good ways that people can participate and vote. Yes, it's very exciting. I just looked at all the books um, myself and it's a wonderful selection. Thank so you. We really tried to get a mix. So they're different genres, they're targeted at different ages. Some of them are a little younger, skew a little younger, some skew a little older, you know, so I think there'll be something in there, but all this is not a popularity contest, you know, so it's not the one you like the best or the one that, you know, that you would gravitate to because it's about a subject you're interested in, but, but there should be something in there anyway that will appeal to, to everybody. I should think so. Yes. And I also actually often have, I have to think about that when I'm reading the books about whether I'm just more excited about a subject, but it's not really, I really have to slow down and think about how the art is representing the content of the book. So yeah, uh, it's really interesting to think about. That's the challenge here. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. it's, the award is not for the writing. The award is not for the topic. The award is not for popularity. Some of the most popular books have never won these awards. Right. The award is for distinguished art in a picture book for children. And it is amazing. And it doesn't have to be a picture book. It could be any illustrated book for children up to and including the age of 14. Oh. So actually the year that I was on the committee, a graphic novel was one of the honor books. Wow. And that was quite controversial. It was the first time it was ever done, but it falls within the charge of the committee. That's so interesting. Um, we focus on picture books for the mock because it would be too difficult, certainly 
for the first graders, the kids in the younger grades, to have them read graphic novels. And also to include those in the list would just open up the universe of books we had to consider way beyond the scope of what we're able to do. So we're just pretending for the mock that it's only picture books, but that's not the case. So when they first made the age range, maybe there weren't so many graphic novels around. Yeah, and also, I mean, some of it's historical based on the American Library Association because ALSC originally was the children's division and it went up to kind of that age because there was nothing for teenagers. And then actually, I don't know when it started, but it started getting big in the 2000s. The teen division, which is called YALSA, Young Adult Library Services Association. So they, there's now some sort of crossover and overlap so originally there was this sort of whole age group in the middle that didn't have any coverage. There were the mm-hmm. awards for adults and there were the awards for kids. Mm-hmm. So, so ALSC really tried to take it as old as they could, you know, so that things aimed at those older people who are still children, technically, you know, would not be overlooked and left out. I think it's interesting too, even for kids that are older to, look at the books and I'm, I'm interested to know whether some of the kids that started out in 2015 and now they're young adults uh, mm-hmm. they go they can participate and look at these kids books and have a different kind of eye than they might have otherwise had so that would be very interesting if, if the school or somebody knows how to reach out and or even go over if you have some of those kids in town and they come in now and they're older to see if they're interested in to give some feedback about their experience over time. That would be really wonderful to hear. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we should do that and work on that one. Um, so have, we, have I think last year, we ended up with the same book, the winning book as the committee? Not last year. That was, I think, our second year. I don't know. It was the one about Winnie the Pooh, and I am blanking oh, on the right, book title. right, right. It was so exciting, and we even got, I contacted the banner and they interviewed the kids and the kids were so proud of themselves. And it was such a joy. There was just a picture of them on the front page of the banner and, you know, Truro, because this was before Provincetown was involved, Truro school kids picked Caldecott winning book, you know. It's so just, great. <laughs> they did a great job and they had that eye that from among all the books we had for them, that they picked the one that the committee itself picked. I love that. Barbara, do you have any interesting memories or stories about um, doing the Mock Caldecott? Well, there's been a, a lot of lovely experiences, but there's one I'm going to share. And this was actually from the very first year. So this happened when, as I said, we did the presentation at the beginning of the season and then after the real Caldecott Award was given, then we would come back and introduce that book to the kids. and. So that was the year I was on the committee and The Adventures of Deagle, The Unimaginary Friend by Dan Santat was the winner that year. And we came back, I came back and we were going to read the book with the kids and talk about why it won. And then we were going to do a craft or some project related to the book. So what we decided to do is we were going to do construction paper crowns for the younger kids because Deagle is an imaginary friend. He looks a little like a ghost and he wears this yellow construction paper crown that's decorated. So we thought we'd make the crowns and then the kids could decorate them with stickers and markers and all that stuff. And then we thought, oh, but the older kids are going to think that's way too childish. So for them, we just came up with like a work CD thing and 
and it was like describe your imaginary friend and then draw a picture of your imaginary friend and that kind of stuff. But some of the older classes came to the library first. And when they saw the stuff for the crowns, they were like, we want to make crowns. We all want to make crowns. <laughs> and so they took all the crown supplies and they started making crowns. And it was great. And they were really into it. But the thing was, we didn't have, we hadn't made enough supplies for them. We hadn't figured on that. So everybody in the library, I don't even remember who we got everybody involved. In. Everybody's like frantically cutting construction paper to have Emergency. these crowns for when the younger kids came later in the day. And so they all went back to school and they'd get on the bus and they'd all be wearing these construction paper crowns they made in school. And I understand everybody in the school was wearing them by the end of the day. It was really really fun and wonderful. And they got so into Beagle. I mean, I understand they also made a Beagle snowman outside the library at some point. So that's the kind of stuff that can happen out of being engaged with books at this level for these kids. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that story. It was a lot of fun. Well, I think if awesome. any, anyone has uh, looks at the Zoom presentation or listens to this and has questions, they should feel free to call their library and uh, or email and get in touch and see if there's anything they want clarified. And we hope that lots of you will participate. Terrific. I hope so, too. Thanks so much, Barbara, for speaking with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And I love doing this project every year. As I said, I'm so happy we get to do it this year, even though, and I hope next year we can be back in person together. Me too. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much.